In our scripture reading this morning, Paul and some other officials are being sent to Italy by ship for trial. And Paul, being a knowledgeable sailor, urged them to not undertake this voyage, commenting in verse 10, Men, I can see that the voyage will be in, with danger and much heavy loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. However, the centurion paid, made more attention to the pilot and the ship's owner. Since the harbor wasn't a suitable place to spend the winter, they decided to try and reach Phoenix, where they could spend the winter. At first, a south wind was favorable for them, but a violent wind soon overtook them, and they had difficulty keeping the ship upright. Verse 18 and following tell us of the challenges. We were being pounded by the storm so violently that on the next day, we began to throw the cargo overboard. And on the third day, with our own hands, we threw the ship's tackle overboard. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest raged, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Sensing their discouragement, Paul speaks and reminds them that they should have listened to him. However, all is not lost and he proceeds to share with them an experience he had the previous night. Listen from verse 22 and following. Last night, there stood by me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before the emperor, and indeed, God has granted safety to all those who are sailing with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we will have to run aground on some island. After two weeks, the sailors found land nearby and let down the anchors and made to head to land. But once again, Paul speaks, beginning at verse 30. But when the sailors tried to escape from the ship and had lowered the boat into the sea on the pretext of putting out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the boat and set it adrift. Just before daybreak, Paul urged all of them to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you have been in suspense and remaining without food, having, having eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will help you survive, for none of you will lose a hair from your heads. After he had said this, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then all of them were encouraged and took food for themselves. When dawn broke, plans were made to go on land. Some wanted to kill the prisoners to prevent them from escaping. But the, sur 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 but the centurion 
wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. Our scripture concludes with verses 43 and 44. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and then make for the land and the rest to follow, some on planks and others on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Please join me once again in prayer. Gracious God, as we reflect upon your word, and as we continue our journey through Lent, facing the fears that confront us in ever so many ways and at so many times, open our ears, our minds, and our hearts now that what we hear and what we perceive and that which I say are from you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. I doubt that any of us will ever celebrate communion on the deck of a ship in a storm at sea. And that wasn't what Paul was doing either. However, our scripture lesson for today, despite its setting, has phrases that remind us of the Lord's Supper that we will indeed celebrate in a few minutes. As we just heard, Paul was on his way to Rome to stand trial again. And with him were Luke and Aristarchus. It's late in the season for Mediterranean travel, and the predicted autumn storms strike away. Their vessel, an Alexandrian grain ship, is soon tossed to and fro up and down in the waves, and all fear for the next moment. Through mounting seas and a turbulent wind, a violent nor'easter has pounded the ship. Clouds and rain obscure the sun and the stars for days, leaving the sailors without a clue into the direction that they need to be sailing. This went on for two whole weeks. The ordeal of the men and the ship versus the weather continued both day and night. Then... The sailors hear surf pounding, and as grim day dawns for them, they realize land is ahead. And looking at the dimly sighted beach, hope, but at the same time dread, stand in front of them. Yet Paul has a word of encouragement for them. Among other things, as the men haven't eaten properly for days, Paul urges them, take food. Eat before you leave the ship. Gain strength for getting to the land. Luke, the author of these words and an eyewitness to the event, recalls it all vividly. After Paul had said this, he took bread, and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then all of them were encouraged and took food themselves. Now remember, by profession, Luke is a physician. He wants also 
to be a historian that is accurate. And in this 27th chapter of Acts, he writes for us one of the all-time classic chapters of sea and the violent storms that can come upon the sea. Amid that storm, Luke records words that are reminiscent of the Lord's Supper. One could say it was like celebrating communion in a storm. And yet, is that not what we do every time we come and have communion? Now, we may find it calm and peaceful, quiet, even, even restful, shall we say, here in the sanctuary of First Presbyterian Church of Lincoln. But are we really storm-free? Do not the issues of the world invade the walls of this beautiful place as images from last night's news and this morning's newspaper fill our minds. War, poverty, abuse, crimes against others, violence, on and on and on. With our phones and television being instant alerts, don't we have daily, even sometimes hourly reminders of the horrors of the world today? And each of those is another storm. And sometimes the storms, the fears, the angst aren't just world ones. Sometimes they're personal ones. Illness, financial concern, disease, being the victim of a crime, weather of all types, sometimes reality, and on and on. Storms are often up close and personal. I'm going to ask every one of you for a moment to think of a time when you were in the midst of a storm. Maybe you knew it was coming thanks to advanced meteorological methods, Doppler, radar, and satellite imagery. We're rarely totally surprised by a literal weather event, although this winter we all learned about snow squalls, which were pretty fast. But we still usually have some warning. I found myself, as you think about your event, in a similar one that I want to share with you from 1991. Now, the storm I am remembering was in the air, not on sea, which makes sense because any of you know me very well know that I really don't like water. I can't swim, although I have taken lessons more times than I have fingers on my hands. And I even take showers instead of baths. But flying back to Dubuque from Florida with my two daughters, who at the time were 8 and 15, our plane was delayed in four for four hours in Minneapolis by thunderstorms. Now, finally, the storms were out of the area, and we said we could board the plane. Now, any of you that have flown into airports like Dubuque were not on a 757. In fact, it's one of those planes that had one seat on this side, the aisle, and two seats on this side. I was sitting on the aisle across my daughter Rebecca, on the window my daughter Bethany. 
We did not expect what we experienced. You see, that thunderstorm totally circled back around and we were flying straight into it. When we finally took off, we headed what we thought was toward Dubuque, but we weren't even at cruising altitude when the plane started jumping up and down and twisting and turning and carrying on something fierce. Even then, I had flown a lot for a Nebraska farm girl, and I kind of liked flying. It wasn't really something I worried too much about. The girls had flown several times before. Until that flight, never before and never since have I been as fearful of a storm as I was on that flight. Even the pilot, who I think must have thought his microphone to the passengers was turned off, expressed what I interpreted at the moment of fear, saying, Whoa, Nellie, this is one heck of a storm. Hold on, Jack. I assume that was the co-pilot. We've got a mess here. My girls, seated on either side of me, instantly looked at me. I could see the fear in their eyes, and to be honest, I expect they saw fear in my eyes, too. I grabbed Bethany's hand, and I grabbed Be Rebecca's hand, and I said, Don't be afraid. It'll be okay. Even as I myself was afraid. And as the plane plunged down again, I began repeating out loud the 23rd Psalm. And in that time, I discovered two things. One, the girls knew the psalm just as well as I, which I didn't know they knew. And I began hearing others in the plane repeating the same words as well. I imagine that we repeated that 23rd Psalm at least five times, every time getting louder and louder and louder. We plunged up and we plunged down and again and again, and yet there came a sense of peace on that plane. And after about 20 minutes of up and down, twisting and turning, the flight settled down and we got ahead of the thunderstorms. Of course, we also were over Dubuque by then, it's not that far. And we landed, thank goodness. I have probably flown another 50 plus times since then, and I do so without fear. But I was scared during that flight. And when I read of Paul's escapades on board that ship, I can still feel myself being gripped by that sense of fear. It was real. And I suspect if you took my assignment and began thinking about a time in your own life when you were afraid, you have that same sense. So, what do we do with that scripture? I suggest that there are three things we should look at in more detail about it. The first is the storm. As we just recalled, we can all relate to being in a storm. Perhaps not a storm at sea, but a tornado or a blizzard, or a fast-moving wildfire, or a hailstorm, all definitely involving wind tossed here and there, seemingly not able to tell which way we are to point ourselves or our lives, battered around and at the mercy of the elements beyond our control. And sometimes 
the storms aren't even weather-related, but they're life situations. Like the Apostle Paul and his traveling companions, we discover that even on a good day, even when we are doing the will of God, contrary winds buffet our lives. It's easy to see that we live in a stormy world, a world where honesty is exposed to the winds of fraudulent ridicule, where innocence is struck by violence, where faith struggles against doubt, where goodness is wrecked with temptation, where fear, those dragons of the unknown, raise their ugly heads. Those aren't new storms to humanity, but when they come to us, they come to us as if they were new because they are new in our experience. And at such times, when the storms of life hit, it helps if we remember we aren't alone in the storm. On the voyage that we just heard, Paul had a vision of an angel standing before him saying, do not be afraid, Paul. We will do well, vision or no, to recall those same words. Do not be afraid and fill in your name. Do not be afraid, Sue, or James, or Cindy, or Wilbur, or whatever your name. Do not be afraid. And if repeating the 23rd Psalm helps to make you more calm, go for it. As an aside, is there any better reason for memorizing Scripture than to use when you suddenly need it? I think not. Teach your kids. Teach your grandkids. Learn yourself. What courage can come for us in the moments of life by a conviction that God stands by? And more than courage comes, because with it will come patience and a stronger faith connection and words proclaiming our faith to others. Quiet dignity, energy to keep going, all given to us by God through Christ in the darkest days of our life. Storms and visions, peace in a tempest, comfort in a storm. Courage to face the fear. Confidence to face down the dragons. Now, to fully appreciate this piece of scripture, the next thing we need to look at is the ship. Ever since Noah listened to God, built the ark, and gathered the animals two by two in obedience to God, ships have provided stories of excitement, tragedy, and instruction for God's people. Did you know that one of the oldest symbols of the church is a ship? In Norway, models of ships are in church sanctuaries, built to illustrate sailing trades and devout living. Within the Presbyterian Church, the organization of mariners of bygone days, but near and dear to those of us oldsters, are patterned after ships in sailing established for fellowship and service and support to one another and their families, officers had nautical names. Skippers, first mates, pursers. Area meetings were called cruises, 
And if a group was not meeting for a time, they were in dry dock. In ancient galleries, ships have given us the name Nave to describe that place which we gather. Such connections and similar ones may come to mind as we read Paul's warning to those who wanted to abandon the ship pounding in their ears, the wild salt wash of foam curling at their feet, rain lashing at them. But they were alive, every one of them safe in the harbor. St. Paul's Bay, it is called today, that harbor on the north coast of Alta, Malta, excuse me, and likely the designation is correct. What is most certain is the need of every life to have a harbor of its own. Comforted, we hear Christ's words spoken at the Last Supper. In the world you will face persecution, but take courage. I, Jesus Christ, have conquered the world. Those words are statements of fact. They are promise for us just as they were for the disciples who first heard them. We come with a variety of ways. Some of us easy, not at the moment experiencing a challenge. Some struggling even to get here today, but coming coming to hear Jesus say, remember me. Paul, in a plethora of emotions, earlier blinded on the Damascus road, found the living Christ that he had long sought, and in the vision when the angel said, be not afraid, he was able to share that with the other sailors. And so to you today I say, come. Come to this table Come with the assurance of the harbor of God's mercy, forgiveness, and truth. And always come with a thankful prayer, because we are nourished by the one who is the bread of life. All who come, come to be fed. Come to the holy bread by which the soul of the believer is fed, the holy bread, the priceless food, the everlasting mercy, Christ, the one who overcomes dragons, the one who is the calm in the storm, the one who promises rest and hope and peace, Jesus the Christ. Thanks be to God.